Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Clean Slate Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garza, with my other host, Carson Phillips. Hello. We are here doing a special episode of Noir Vember. Welcome back. <laughs> What's up everyone? Welcome back. We are so excited to be here. Um, like I said, we're doing a Noir Vember uh, episode. If you don't know what that is, hang on, hang on. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, we'll explain later. Just yeah, stick with sure. us. Buckle up. You yeah, know, we, we got, got a, a we got a fat, good episode for you guys. Juicy episode. Yeah, we got a good one for you today. We are doing uh, a couple of movie movie predictions. We're gonna go over those a little bit, and then we have a special noir vember. With uh, we're gonna yep. finish it off with a little bit of uh, movie recommendations. But guys, first of all, let's just talk about this crazy growth that we're getting on our uh, oh, podcast. our bangladesh audience yeah we have two percent of you guys are in a uh, bangladesh listening to us so guys hey Shout our bangladesh all audience we uh we're happy you're here and, and welcome special shout out to you but we are we woke up one morning and we had over two thousand like over a thousand views. Yeah, and like in one day we had almost a thousand listens and we we're just like wait we had what like, just happened I think like fifteen people binged like almost every episode it looks like. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I mean our audience Maybe size has grown exponentially. Grandpa and woke up and he chose to He listen. chose support. <laughs> anyway guys. Yeah, um, I don't know. But whoever did that, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. We are we're so excited. We we're I mean, honestly shocked by like what happens. We still kind of think it might be fake. But yeah, probably robots, <laughs> honestly, just NPCs <laughs> listening to our podcast, because I'm pretty sure our anchor has been fluctuating too. like the analytics aren't consistent at all. So I have oh, no yeah. idea what's going on. But here. whether you're an NPC here or not, we are um, happy that you stopped by and we want to make some good content for you guys. So let's get into it. So let's get into it. Our movie. So these are our prediction results from last episode, right? From last week. Correct. Um, first of all, we did Wakanda Forever, which I haven't seen it yet. Still, have you? I know. I'm dying to see it. Honestly, I I'm kind of excited, and I think I might be overhyping it in my brain. We have the reviews after the opening week and uh, or opening weekend rather, and here they are. Okay. So you guessed. 86 on oh, Rotten Tomatoes and 90 on uh, audience score. I guessed wow. 83 on Rotten Tomatoes and 96 on audience score. Mm-hmm. And both of us were really, really close. Um, wow. Uh, the the tomato meter officially is 84. Suck it. And the audience score is 95. Wow. So are we like tied basically then? Well, technically... I bust I on audience score. You didn't. You got 90. And you bust on uh, on critic score, and I didn't. I mean, I'm so one point busted. Off. Yeah, in... <laughs> stupid. <laughs> That's oh cool, though. Gosh. You know, we're both tied. Let's just say we're tied. For yeah, now. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the first one, we are tied. So that is... Yeah, we're keeping score. This is a competition. Yeah, we, we want to... I don't know how we're going to do this, but, like, if I win... Our audience should get I something. Get something. Oh, or, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I was going to kind of keep it audience-based because it's our family. But, yeah, whatever. Oh, here's what we do. If It's not like we don't already do this, but <laughs> if <laughs> I was going to say, if you win, you could pick a movie that you think I would hate and make, make us do a podcast episode. Ooh, that could be funny. And then vice versa. So if I, I win, I pick a movie that 
I want to force you to watch kind of thing. Okay. Let's just keep track then now. Like, um, okay. So, I, like I mean, that. the first one's a tie. We're tied on the first one. Yes. So let's go to devotion. Devotion, I think, might not have. What's this one again? Anything. It's the uh, it's the other World War Two one, and mm. I'm the closest so far. So it looks like I might win. Okay. Uh, you guessed sixty eight and ninety six on this, and I guessed seventy nine and seventy eight. Right now, it's going to gonna change. I'm going to win. Oh, I'm sure it's going to change. I don't think it's going to drop down to sixty eight, <laughs> but the tomato meter is has it at eighty five percent. Wow! Really? Yeah. I kind of want to watch it. And then Emancipation has not come out yet. So we're still waiting on that. I, mean, I actually saw the trailer finally because uh-huh. I didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah. I'm kind of into it, man. Like, I think it might be fun. I think it'll watch. I think it'll be good. Okay, cool. Well, do you want to get started on our November episode? Yeah, guys. So I did. we did not invent the concept of November. I, Correct. For some of you, this may be a new... Maybe even be a new word for you. Um, I actually didn't know how to pronounce this word until like four years ago. But anyways, <laughs> uh, so noir, it's kind of debated if it is a genre or a style. I lean more towards style, but I am not a film historian, so you could debate me on that or find someone that's smarter than me to talk about it with. But basically, uh, for those of you that don't know what noir is, it's more or less black and white kind of cynical detective films uh there's usually includes a lot of paranoia and suspicions Uh, as far as like the filming style there's usually a lot of shadows that's more shown in one of our films we're talking about not so much in the other um many people will argue these are post world war ii films that 40s and 50s usually is when they came out, but there is some films that they consider like proto noir. I would say M is proto noir. That's a serial killer movie from the 30s. It does have some connections to like early horror films, especially with the lighting techniques, which that was basically the reason they lit these films the way they did is because they didn't have money. So they didn't want to show that they were on a back lot or on these really small sets. So everything's really dark and shadowy. Yeah. Often a lot of smoke. Kind of like a hypened, hypened reality is kind of something that you see a lot. Uh, and the ending is almost always a little bit nihilistic. But after that time frame of the 40s and 50s, you get what is known as neo-noir, which is modern-day filmmakers taking the concepts and themes and techniques from these early, earlier films and applying it to today. And so we have one neo-noir and one regular classic noir. And I think for you, Daniel, were these both a first watch? Yes, both of these movies were first watch. I think I'd seen clips of the first one. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a film school kind of movie. Okay, so the first film we watched, and basically I sent a list to Daniel to pick from. Uh, it was a short list, but I tried to put like a, a weird range of movies on there. So we magically ended up with this ma- um, match here. <laughs> But so the first film we watched was Touch of Evil, directed by Orson Welles, and kind of starring him. Um, it also has Charlton Heston as the lead character in this, um, yep. in Brownface. So warning, <laughs> if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, this movie isn't quite 
PC due to its casting choices, mainly, I would say. Well, also, just because of the time period. Yeah, the time period. It is weirdly, like, I mean, it's pro-Mexican in some ways, but also the casting just wasn't, so it's kind of confusing. Yeah, for sure. I, I did read that Orson Welles was, like, like pretty progressive for the time. Okay. But still cast a white guy to play a Mexican or two white guys to play Mexicans? I don't know. A stark perverse story of murder, kidnapping, and police corruption in a Mexican border town. So good, dude. Yeah. I was scared you would not like this movie, so when you text me and you're like, it was good. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> it wasn't... Sweet. <laughs> obviously, there. we kind of already discussed this. Yeah, it, it's a... So you do have a bias against old movies, but I think we're cracking through your Honestly, I, I thought that a little bit. I was watching this movie, and there was a certain point in time where I was sitting there, and I was like, the these types of movies are kind of giving me getting me to a point of where I feel like a little bit, even though I obviously this is a late 50s movie, it mm-hmm. kind of brings you back to a, like a simpler time for me and like okay it, it brings a different type of enjoyment when you're watching older movies like this now and i don't know if that's because i mean because right i've been hardcore against old time movies for a long time for a long time like, as long as i've known you and that's yeah literally my whole life and maybe it was because of film school where they like literally indoctrinate you with like all the classics and all the you know like the, you have to love Sunset Boulevard. Oh or my Satan. gosh! Yeah, exactly. Sunset Boulevard or that's a noir film. Citizen that's Kane. Like yeah, actually, first. that was another one that I was. Um, I mean, it's. I don't like Sunset Boulevard that it, much. It's I a mean, little it's good, overrated but, for me. Um, I like Citizen Kane though. I will. say I that's hate a Citizen good movie. Kane. I think that's I, fine. I, I like I Sunset Boulevard more than Citizen. Yeah, it really is. I, um. Anyway, so but I, I'm an Orson Welles boy, especially because he's in that Transformers animated movie. <laughs> he plays the big planet. He plays the big planet Transformer in the animated movie. So base, yeah, this one actually has a plot compared to our second movie. <laughs> but um, you have Charlton Heston playing a character named as what's his name Vargas, right? And yes. he is a, is he a lawyer or de- he's not really a detective. He's like a lawyer or something like a district attorney, maybe um, in Mexico. Let me see. I, cause he's not, he knows law stuff. I feel like. Right. But he, thing, but he was re- really brought on board because of, I mean, was it because the of the border stuff? Yeah. So basically at the very beginning of the movie, you have Vargas and his fiance or wife, and they're walking across the border. This is different than it is now. It was a lot easier to travel between uh, countries back then. <laughs> and so they're literally walking across the border. And you see this. I mean, it's a really cool shot. Like the way this is filmed. It's like a one shot kind of thing. But you hear this clicking or ticking and this car blows up with a prominent American in it and a um, sex worker, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so he's found dead and Vargas happens to be there and it basically unravels this whole plot of who did this car bombing, what's going on here. You also find out a little bit of backstory that Vargas was going against this uh, crime organization in Mexico. And so because this was a border crime involving Mm -hmm. Americans and Mexicans, the American police get involved. And so that includes... Uh, our main detective there, which is Orson Welles, yep. played by Orson Welles himself. And he's great in this movie. But um, 
Yeah, so the plot just starts to unravel. At one point, his wife is kidnapped and framed for using drugs. Yeah. And Vargas is basically going up against Orson Welles' character because you find out that he's been planting evidence for forever, basically, since he's been a cop. Yeah. And so there's this kind of, like, moral conflict between the two and as well as the mystery, the overall mystery. So quickly, I'm going to just say, like, two things that I really, really liked about this movie. And then oh, one bad thing. Okay. Um, okay. The plot, the I mean, here. comparatively, the plot is cake, right? But because it's so easy, like. You can follow it pretty well. You can follow yeah. it pretty well, but it also, like, I think it did. It was like a simple plot just because, I mean, it's back in the time. But it was just also, it's still, the plot still held up. Of yeah. Like the, the, the corruption. The, there's multiple layers. It's still kind of relevant plot. in a weird way. Yeah, for sure. But there's there's even multiple layers to this plot that at the very end they all kind of tie in really really well together. Um, mm. And then I did. I mean this, the the way it's shot is simple enough too, but it still has that strong style oh to it God, that you dude. really can it's like so enjoy. Um, and I I mean I I just couldn't take my eyes off of it because it was one of those things where you're just like it's oh gorgeous. this is yeah, yeah I, for for how old it is it's really pretty um and then the one thing i did not like and this is going to be just that little part of me that's still there is the writing okay, here the writing of it is just what do you mean like the dialogue yeah the dialogue was at times okay. so cheesy for me and i was just like uh, and you, yeah you and i talked about this already and you're like that was just how it was in the time and i was like i that's know that's just how it was but i understand but where you're coming from in in you saying that there are still things that i'm like is it how it was at the time or is it just because it's not a good it's not good writing because there's some movies that hold up in the way that they're like but like what's something comparable from the same time period that you think would hold up writing like, i mean let me see it wouldn't bother you as much so some like it hot was really really funny and it was like smart writing yeah the only cheesy kind of writing that was in there a little bit, but it kind of made sense, was Marilyn Monroe's character. But everything else okay. was not like... So, the bad guys were bad. I mean, honestly, this could be a... It could be like a preference, basically. Like over one writing style versus the other. Yeah, maybe. Be yeah, because this was a little bit more slow pace as, as compared to something like at Hot, where it's quick. It's like quick-witted. You know, jokes are mm -hmm. flying. The bad guys are like kind of, you know, the bad guys. Um, but yeah, I got you. I mean, here's my two things that I love about this. Okay, movie. go ahead. One, obviously, the lighting it screams noir. Yeah, and like all the camera moves are so great. Especially, I love that opening scene. I think so. The highlight scene wise are the opening scene for me with the car and everything. Is that a one shot? And then that. Uh, it might not be, but it feels like one, yeah, it at does. Least. And then the end scene, that whole final confrontation. I don't want to spoil it because I do think you guys should watch this. Yeah, but that whole final confrontation is just so like tense with the the camera work, and mm -hmm. it's great. And then my second favorite thing is actually I love Orson Welles' performance in this. Yeah, he's good. I think I mean it is kind of like a humili humiliating performance in some ways. I mean, he's like a hotshot director, and he's lowering himself to like kind of the scummy, uh, gro almost gross kind of character. Especially at the end, when you see what happens to him, it's kind of disturbing, I guess. But yeah, for sure. 
I think it was good though. I, I appreciate his commitment to the craft. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump in right into our next film, and then we're going to do a little bit of compare and contrast uh, uh, before we yes before we move on. So, guys, our Inherent next vice. film oh. that we <laughs> that we watched is Inherent Vice, and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh wow! Starring this, Joaquin Phoenix. This is interesting. I didn't look at the tomato meters before. Um, it was that. It there's just a drastic like difference in between them both between the two movies i'm sure no no no. i'm, well, one's I'm a lot saying between the audience and critics in for oh inherent really vice, on yeah. both movies no, no no just on inherent vice what is it um it's the critics love it 74 and 52 holy mo- i mean yeah it, it makes PTA. sense he he makes some strong choices in this movie honestly he makes strong choices in all of his movies but this is just a neo-noir in Los Angeles. And instead of cigarette smoke covering every scene, it's marijuana smoke. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so the logline on this is, In 1970, a drug-fueled Los Angeles private investigator, investigator Larry Dox Portello, investigates the disappearance of a former girlfriend. Wow, that's such a simple... That's so simple. That's not at all like what happens. Okay. What a cool movie though. It was Yes. I love it. So do you want to give him another rundown of this one before we kind of get into it? (laughs) Okay, guys. As much as I don't know how (laughs) to explain the plot, because there's a lot of how would you say this? Um, red herrings. There's stuff that may or may not be hallucinated. Like literally, the narrator might not be a real person. I don't yeah. know. It's there's a lot of for people that like to unravel stuff in films. This might be really cool for you. Yeah, but I don't think that's the intention. It's more of a vibe. But the overall plot here is you have Doc played by Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, investigating. Well, he's kind of two things. He's mainly investigating. Um, there's a killing that he is found next to the dead body. So that's one thing he's investigating. And the second thing he's investigating is his missing ex-girlfriend. And it all kind of ties together in a grand conspiracy with lots of lots of cool actors that make appearances along the way. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I'm trying to get words out to describe this movie and what I like and didn't like. And it's just so tough. This movie is like layered on... It's thick. So There's like much. a lot of themes. So it many, definitely yeah. it fits noir really well. Uh huh. And plays off all those themes of paranoia and distrust. Yep. In a cool way. I mean, I guess I'm kind of getting into the comparison here, so I'm, I'm treading, water, treading that line. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Maybe we should just say what we like first. Okay. And then what we disliked. So I think this is going to kind of touch on both, but. The biggest stark difference between these two movies is the character development. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. and with every, the one thing I, I loved about it is that, I mean, besides the way it's shot, the, it, it's shot like amazing. So good. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like eating the juiciest steak ever, but it's a movie. Yeah. And it's <laughs> 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 and the wide angles for me are my favorite in this movie. Like you get those just mm. drastic widening. One of my fa- the first favorite ones was the um, 
when he's lying on the ground next to the body and uh all the cops yeah, are lined great. up right yeah. there and i was just like oh that's it's really good um mm-hmm. so that's good but also the way that the cops just kind of not the cops the characters have dialogue between each other is it's such a smart and like it has such good pacing in between every single scene and every single scene is different too because this movie is a lot more dialogue based than it is really action based it's basically conversations yeah he's having conversations with different people throughout los angeles trying to find out what each person knows and as you're watching you're trying to piece together the same mystery Mm -hmm. which which is where you can get lost pretty easily like if you're just not, yeah. if you're not <laughs> yes. there, I mean, but also it's just kind of one of those movies where you're like, what? <laughs> All together as a plot, it's thick and it's meaty and it's, it's tough. All right. So I, I think my, like what I like about it the most, it's pretty similar to you. Um, like in the shots, like the way this is filmed mm. is so like gorgeous. And especially uh, the one scene that really stood out to me was the rain when they when it was raining and they went to go get their blow, oh yeah, their yeah crack yeah. or whatever and um it was just so beautiful and then like the music kicked in and i was like i feel emotional right now i don't <laughs> even know why and you're it's probably just high. so no i wasn't i wasn't i was completely sober but <laughs> this movie everyone in this movie is on drugs so yeah. you have no idea what's going on but then like so i thought that was gorgeous and then there's some other, I don't want to spoil the scene, but there is a really cool one shot towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then it gets kind of not cool, weirdly, but maybe that'll be a dislike. And then <laughs> one thing that I, the other thing that I really appreciate about this is that it doesn't explain everything to you. Yeah. And I think once you learn to like let go of trying to understand the movie and just kind of let it wash over you, I know this sounds pretty pretentious but once you let the movie just kind of do its thing and yeah. you're just along for the journey and not trying to assign meaning to it i think you start to appreciate it more and i i typically like movies like that that feel more like a journey than oh i need to keep up with the plot of this you know yeah for sure i think the biggest differentials are one between the two films yeah touch of evil is such a good like it's a strong plot it's an easy plot but I wouldn't say there. I mean, there is character development in there, but mm-hmm. it's not even close to the development in every single character in, in Inherent Vice. Yeah, in Inherent Vice, and um, I mean, you even get character development from characters that are really not in the movie that much, like Owen Wilson's character. Yeah, exactly. You get a ton of character development from him. Even the missing girlfriend's barely in the movie, but you get stuff from her. Oh yeah. I don't, you learn, it's a character driven movie. It's not a plot driven movie. Exactly. So, and you can definitely tell when you watch the movie, but I mean, I think both of these movies have their good comparison contrast. Like they're so strong. Mm. Yes. Also very similar. Also like they stand on their own. Yeah, really. So, um, kind of weird. You got you kind of got to appreciate, which makes you really appreciate the genre a lot too, because of the way that you can just. I guess you have so much room to play around with in a specific genre that most people see it as a small. I mean, once you look at Alfred Hitchcock, it's kind of like a cut and cut and paste yeah. of every single. Like you're like, okay, so this is what noir is, 
But then when you see like inherent vice, you're like, oh, wow, like this is a different take on it. You have this. There's more from this that you can get out of it. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you can expand on so much. Exactly. So um, it's really interesting to when you I mean, we accidentally put these together and it kind of works out the way that they are similar, but aren't. Yeah, it's really cool um, how that worked out. So what do you think about both of the movies together? I mean, watching them back to back. Um, well, I watched one one night and one the next night. Yeah. But just thinking about the whole theme of like distrusting the government and then kind of looking at the hit. I was reading up on like the history of noir and all that stuff and how the, it's a genre that or style that really came out of the post World War II. Um, like it was a post World War II era. So everyone coming back had probably killed someone or seen someone die. Yeah. And then you look at Inherent Vice, which is kind of that 60, late 60s Vietnam War era. So it's kind of like things really haven't changed that much. Yeah, for sure. Is what I was thinking. And I, I think there's themes there that still apply to our actual lives now. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff you can learn from this, or at least it asks good questions that you can apply to your own life in a weird way but deep just like this movie deep bro yeah just like every movie we've ever seen on this podcast <laughs> all right guys well those are our movies for noir vember we hope you enjoyed that little special and now let's get into our movie recommendations before we uh close out oh we got some wrecks up in her yes sir if you're of the blu-ray buying persuasion you should head down to barnes and noble <laughs> They are having a 50% off sell on the Criterion Collection. Oh, nice. And there's lots of cool movies. Some of them are noir. Actually, a good chunk of them. Um, so that's if you're into it and you own a Blu-ray player or a PlayStation or whatever. It's a cool way to watch some cool movies. Mm-hmm. But one of the... So my recommendation is from the, what is known as the Criterion Collection. And it is a film called Memories of Murder from the same director who brought you Parasite. Uh, this oh, is nice. a Korean crime film. It's not a noir film, but it is a serial killer murder mystery. It has a super cool tone. It starts very humorous and then delves into some really, really dark themes. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful-looking film. Disturbing, for sure, but it's not grotesque, or at least it's not overly grotesque, in my opinion. The ending is pretty insane and leaves you with kind of a nasty feeling. But, yeah, I, I do recommend the movie if you are into foreign films. And, yeah, if subtitles are what is keeping you from watching a foreign film, you just just do it. Like, just give it a chance because it's really not that bad, I promise you. Nice. Okay. Good wreck. Good wreck. I'm going to have to go with uh, one that came out earlier this year. Um, but okay. Rebecca and I just watched it on Netflix. Um, since she's been pregnant, I'm she's so been, scared. She's like really, uh, she's down. Is this the Adam project? No, she, oh, although she did you. really like that. Um, she was like, no. I kind of figured that you and Carson wouldn't like it, but I thought it was really good. I was like, okay, makes sense. That's good. Um, good for her. Good for her. So we, <laughs> we, we were kind of scrolling through our, uh, our so streaming scared. services and we found this one that stars Grant Gustin. Um, the, the Flash. The Flash, yep. And this movie is called... He's not a good actor. Rescued by Ruby. 
No, is this a dog movie? <laughs> Daniel. Dude, 100% what kind of dog? on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Are you the only reviewer? N- no, there is only five reviewers, but it has 100% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. That was the whole cast. The whole ca- the cast just reviewed it. Yeah. So pretty much it's... it's well, what kind of dog? It's a Border Collie. Oh, oh that's why. So he like it's pretty collie. much he tries to get into the canine unit for, I think it's Rhode Island <laughs> or <laughs> something so of that. And he... Um, you know, they're, they're like, well, you need $10,000 for a dog, all this type of stuff. But he ends up adopting an, un- a quote, unadoptable dog from the shelter, <laughs> trains yeah. it really well. And uh, and it's a it's a really good, I mean, it's not deep whatsoever, but it is like a super lighthearted, like, fun. <laughs> it's a good chill movie. Like a it good, really like, is. Like, I, I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I know. I was just sitting there. I was like, wow, I really like this movie. Like, I mean, there was, uh, of course, there's some cheesy parts in it where you're like, okay, that was stupid. The whole movie probably, right? No, not at all. Um, and No, it's, the whole thing's not cheesy? No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would say 85% of it is really cheesy, but it's like a good cheese. But it's wholesome. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that's a perfect way of describing it. It's wholesome cheese um so yeah go check it out it's on netflix it's really it's not funny at all it tries to be funny but it's, it's not. not a comedy oh okay yeah it tries to so be it's funny like it's unintentionally not. funny yeah but it's it's just really kind of sweet like he i think what makes it good is that grant he kind of goes through the struggle of anxiety throughout the movie um so he like learns to overcome it which you're like I feel like Stop. everybody in the world right now is dealing with anxiety, especially like in regards to COVID. And you, so you know. think this is the best anxiety movie out there? This is yep. like the best. This movie is the one. This is the ever? one that'll that'll last for decades and probably even <laughs> centuries. <laughs> I'm glad you guys had fun watching it. Yeah, it was great. honestly it was super enjoyable. Can I throw in a second recommendation? Yes, you can. This one's also wholesome. But maybe make sure you're an adult because I think they're swearing. But um, <laughs> when Harry met Sally, Alyssa made me watch oh, it, and God. I'll tell you what, that's a good movie, man. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's sweet. It's Have you funny. never seen it before? I've never seen wow. it. Like this was like a discovery for me. Like I was like, this is like a really good rom com. Congratulations, Carson. And I don't officially what basic. happened. <laughs> but what happened to rom coms? I haven't seen an actual like. It's because they're good all modern rom com. Yeah, that's true. They're they're all kind of stupid now. I mean they they were going they're moving into the I feel pretty kind of phase, but then I and think, they're dumb now though. Yeah, now they're just like stupid slapstick humor comedy. That does it for our movie recommendations, guys. Go check out some movies. Always stay watching. Um, watch the noir films. Watch, watch the skies. our recommendations. And uh, stay tuned for the following prediction movies that we're kind of grading. Bum, 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 bum. We do have a Christmas, 12 Days of Christmas coming out in December. Plus, we are going to be wa- I guess I'll just tell you what we're going to be watching that's not Christmas. First... I believe we are going to be watching Glass Onion. Yep. I know we kind of mentioned that movie earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. And All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, Both movies so should excited. be available on Netflix mm-hmm. for you guys. Um, Glass Onion will also be in theaters. Try to watch it in theaters. Yeah, Support always watch movies in the theaters. Movie theaters, please. And if you can. I understand, though. And, yeah, then we're going to have 12 Days of Christmas. I don't know what we're watching for that just yet. We're building the list. We will be doing it. Yep. 
When does the 12th day of Christmas end for you guys? Um, serious question. <laughs> Only asking if you aren't a Lambden. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. And again, thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at the Clean Slate Podcast, at Daniel Garza, at Carson Glenn Phillips. And that's all. See you guys next time. That's a clean slate.